Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, and we take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. You can always join us live each Sunday morning at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m. at our Rock Spring, Georgia campus, or at 11 a.m. at our Rossville, Georgia campus, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Would you take your Bibles and turn to the book of First Thessalonians? Now, that's about uh, three-quarters of the way through your Bible. It's going to be hard to find. It's right before Second Thessalonians, but that's not going to help you any. It's a, it's a shorter book than First is. And so um, look in the front of your Bible. You'll find it easily. And if you don't have a Bible, no, no, no problem. We've got it on the screen up here. You can just follow along with me on the screen. I started in January a sermon series entitled One Matters. And we've looked at one soul matters, one person matters, one decision matters, one word, one love matters. Today's the seventh sermon. I don't normally preach them that long, but I'm, I'm finished today. Seventh sermon in the series, One Matters. And we'll preach on this subject, One Church Matters. One Church Matters. Church member gave me this last week and uh, 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 Tom Rayner, the founder of Church Answers, but he also used to be the president of Lifeway and he was the president of a Southern Baptist Seminary. He, he asked pastors to give him the strangest excuses they've heard from members for skipping church. And he compiled those in the top six or eight lists. And I thought I'd share those with you today. Why did you miss church last Sunday? Here we go. Number one, I couldn't get the lid off the peanut butter. Which I guess if you're having, you know, peanut butter toast, that's a tragedy. I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, number two, the church is too close to drive and too far to walk. So I guess you live about 100 yards from the church. I, I mean, I don't know. Number three, this is legit. Both of my girlfriends attend church there. You're a teenage boy. I get that. That's a real issue right there. And you hope they don't. Both of them want you to sit with them. You're going to be in trouble, right? Uh, the pastor stays in the Bible too, too much as opposed to what? I don't know. Uh, this one's legit. Like I, uh, We've had this happen to us before. My wife cooked bacon for breakfast and our entire family smelled like bacon. That's actually happened to some of you. I've smelled you on Sunday mornings and uh, I, I like the smell. So just come on to church. This one's for Denny. Uh, uh, the worship leader pulls his pants up too often. It's distracting. Can I tell you this? It's not near as distracting as if they fell down, right? Uh, so uh, be thankful. Uh, Someone called me brother instead of using my name. That's just kind of what we do in church. As a matter of fact, it's in the, it's in the Bible passage we'll read today. Paul called them brothers and sisters because in Christ, brothers and sisters. Now this last one I'm going to give you, I'm just going to take a moment and give you a pass because this last one is not funny. It's really legit. And I know some of you fight this issue every Sunday and it's a big time deal. So here's what I want you to know is your pastor. I understand where you are. I understand what you're going through. And I really, I sympathize with you because I know this is hard, but I want you to fight through it. All right. I, I'm telling you, I will pray for you to fight through it on this last one. The pastor is too attractive. <laughs> when I see him preaching, I am distracted. And I appreciate y'all writing Tom Rainer about that, but, uh, I just, I'm just doing, I'm doing, doing what I can, you know? So, um, 
Man, it sounds about right, right? People are coming up with any excuse for not attending church that they can come up with. And the truth be known, Daniel talked about it in the offering plea that, that people are staying away from church at an alarming rate. Pew Research did the study and found that only, by the way, when people do uh, surveys about how much they come to church, something called the halo effect always kicks in and we make ourselves look better than we really are. So this is with people fudging, you know, only about 23% say they go to church every week and about 10% say almost every week, which really means about once a month typically. And about 12% say once a month, but that probably really is about four times a year. And then 53% go ahead and say seldom, which they really mean, or never go to church. We're living in a society, in, in a nation now where less than a quarter of the people are in church on any given Sunday. So here's what that means, that there are fewer and fewer churches with fewer and fewer people with lesser and lesser influence for the gospel. Fewer and fewer churches with lesser and lesser people, with fewer and fewer people and lesser and lesser influence with the gospel. Listen, that's why one church is so important. Our church, Peavine Baptist Church, may be their only connection to eternity. And God does not want us to sit in Rock Spring or Rossville and not make a difference. God wants Peavine Baptist Church to matter. Because one church can turn a community upside down. One church can see hundreds of people come to faith in Christ. One church can influence the, the values and the culture of a city. One church can be the difference between heaven and hell for teenagers, for adults, for family, and for friends. One church does matter. And Pivon, we have to be the church that matters. We have to be the church that's making a difference. We have to be the church that is making a, a, an impact on the world around us. And it's exactly what Paul was telling the church at Thessalonica. So would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it? First Thessalonians chapter one, and it'll be on the screen if you, if you don't have your Bibles. First Thessalonians one, we'll just read the whole chapter. It's just 10 verses. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We, thank, we always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit. And you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord when in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia for the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything for they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Thank you. You may be seated. Now the church at Thessalonica was a church that had to matter. Thessalonica was one of the most important cities in the world. What, what made it so important was there was a big Roman interstate, just one. 
and it stretched all the way from the east of the empire to the west of the empire and all the traffic went up and down that road. It was called the Via Ignatia or the Ignatian Way. And Thessalonica sat right in the middle of, of Rome and Macedonia and, and, and you could go east, but you had to go through Macedonia and you could go uh, through Thessalonica and you could go west but you had to go through Thessalonica. And here's what Paul knew, that if Christianity was settled there, it would make an impact as far west as the known world and as far east as the known world. And so what Paul was telling the church at Thessalonica, that this church could be the church that made a worldwide impact. And the church at Thessalonica had to be a church that mattered. Now listen, Christian, I want to tell you this morning that unless you get hung up on Thessalonica, that your life is that same way. Your life is a highway that people are going to walk uh, through and you're going to have influence far, far more than you think east and west and all around you. But listen, our church is that way too. There are people that only you will be able to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people that only Pevine can reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we cannot take church lightly. That's why church, Pevine, we have to be a church that matters. Because you do know there are churches that, that don't matter, right? I don't mean to be ugly and I'm not, I'm not throwing down on any church. I'm just telling you there are churches that don't matter. There are there are churches that are more concerned about who's here than who's not here. Listen, we're, we're very concerned about everybody that's here. Don't, don't hear us say we don't care about you, don't love you, but here's what I know. If you're saved and on the way to heaven, your passion ought to be people who are far from God and on their way to hell as well. There are churches that, that don't matter. There, there are churches that are more concerned, hold, hold on, about their preferences than they are reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are, more, there are churches that would rather fight than evangelize. And there are churches that the community doesn't care about one way or the other. They don't care if the church is there. They don't care if the church is not there. As a matter of fact, there are churches that so don't matter that if the church closed its doors, the community would not know the difference. I don't want that to be Pevine. I don't want that to ever be us. And Paul gave us the formula he gave for the Thessalonican church on how we can be a church that matters. What is it? Number one is this. Paul said this, your work will impact the world. Your work will impact the world. We recall the presence of our God and Father. Your work. Listen to me, Pevine, a strong church is a church that is stirred up to work. What does that mean? It is a church that is willing to, uh, where the members are willing to take their, their gifts from God, their talents, their passions, their abilities, and to employ those for use in the kingdom of God. Like you're willing to take all that God has given you and with effort apply that to making Pevine the best place it can possibly be. And Paul said to that church, there are at least three most motivators. He said, number one, that you, it is a work of faith. Paul was saying that because we have faith in Jesus and we believe, listen, we believe that one day there is coming a judgment seat of Christ where Paul says, we'll give an account for every deed done in this body, every work done in this body, whether it be good or bad, that one day we believe that and our faith in that pushes us forward. Number two, he called it a labor of love. 
The word labor there in the Greek means to toil to the point of exhaustion. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 4, uh, 5, 4 that, that the love of Christ constrained me. It drove me. Now listen, church, we've sang about the love of God all Sunday morning, but if we love Jesus, if we see the love he has for us, it is our motivator. How can I let Christ do all of that for me and me not do anything for him? Then he called it an endurance of hope. Endurance, meaning perseverance. And Paul is trying to say that, that, listen, when you work for Christ in the church, whether you're a pastor or you do anything in the church, there's gonna be a perseverance to that, that we have to hope that God is blessing us, leading us, directing us, warding us, rewarding us. We have to know that he's going to do that, that we have this patience that sometimes, can I tell you this? Sometimes when you're serving in the nursery, changing a dirty diaper, you don't get how this helps the kingdom. But can I tell you, it does. It does. And that is an endurance of hope. And when you're, when you're full of faith, when you're full of love, and you're full of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, it motivates you to go out and work. Because can I tell you this? When you're in love with someone, it's not work. When you love someone and they ask you to do something, it's not work. And when God loves us and asks us to serve him, it's not work if we love him back. I told you the story, and I won't tell the whole story, but just for the sake of time, I'll tell you a little bit of the story of that. A few years ago, while Michaela was still in college, Sherry and I had booked a cruise. We'd had it on the books forever. And every time we pull out on a trip, Michaela all her life would always get sick. Like if something's not, not, if she were with us, she'd be fine. It's when we went by ourselves, Michaela always got sick. And I mean like legit sick, like, like not faking it, like luck going to the doctor while we, I mean, it just, it was stressful. It was always that way. And we got on this cruise that we'd been waiting to go on forever. We had never been on a New England cruise. And we, we flew into New York and we sailed out of New York Harbor and we were in Boston. And when we were in Boston one day, we got a phone call. The very first day of the cruise, we got a phone call. And Michaela said, hey, I have, contact, I have contracted a staph infection in the gym at college. And I've been going to the doctor and I want you to know I, I have a hole in my leg. And she did, she still has a scar today. She said, I have a hole in my leg and it's, it's pretty serious. But she had just started dating Josh at the time and we're gone for two days and she's already on crutches. She said, I'm on crutches, but Josh is taking me to the doctor every day and I'm able to get around and I, I think it'll be fine. They're giving me medicine, but get a phone call the next day and they, she said, well, it's turned into MRSA and it's looking worse and, and we're like, oh, okay, what do we need to do? She's like, nothing, nothing, it's all fine. And then we get out of America and we go up into the waters and we can't really call anymore. So we're emailing at night, extensively at night and Every day it just gets worse and worse and worse. And it legit is getting worse and worse and worse. And we're four days into this cruise that we've just been dying to go on. And, and I copy and pasted the email she sent. So bad news. Went to the doctor and she said, the wound is pretty concerning because of the placement and deepness. She's sending me to a wound care clinic in the hospital and they're going to make sure it isn't in my bones and they may have a quicker, better recovery, which they may send me to a surgeon. So making an appointment tomorrow for that. And I can't go to school for two weeks and it's going to be at least six months recovery till I can walk normally, <laughs> be off crutches. But they check my blood today, see if it's in my bloodstream. So honestly, pretty depressed right now. But please, please have fun. I don't want this to affect y'all. <laughs> no. 
well, that's good, man. We're just going to keep having a good time. And uh, we tried to go sleep that night. It was late at night. We got there. My wife ended up crying by four o'clock in the morning. She had booked a plane flight back to uh, Georgia. She took a, next morning, she got off the boat by herself and took a $150 taxi ride somewhere in Canada to get to some airport. I, I'm, I, I don't know that I've ever found out what airport you flew out of, Sherry. She flew out of some airport, flew to Minnesota, flew to Georgia, walked in the house to take care of her baby. You say, why didn't you go with her? Well, it uh, cost more money to get her home than it did for the whole cruise for two of us. So I stayed and guarded the ship while Sherry left and uh, I couldn't afford that. And so uh, uh, here's the deal. You, you, you know how much Sherry complained about getting off the cruise ship and going home? Not any at all. You know why? Because she loved her daughter who was sick. She didn't mind serving her. She didn't mind taking care of her. She walked in the house and it's like Michaela starts getting better immediately. It wasn't six months. It was just weeks before she was off crutches. It was weeks still, but not months. And so, and she, why? Because she, I love my daughter and I'll do whatever it takes. And it's not an inconvenience when you love somebody. The reason we don't serve God the way we should sometimes is because our love for Jesus is not what it ought to be. And there's some of you here today, you're like, preacher, I get you, I hear you, I want to love God more. What is the problem? And here, here's all said this, Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, your, your heart, your treasure doesn't follow your heart. Your heart follows your treasure. That wherever you invest your time, your energy, your money, your resources, your heart is going to fall in love with that. Your, your heart's going to be concerned about it. I don't even know what the stock market was. I don't, I don't think I have a dollar in the stock market other than a retirement account. But I'll tell you this, if I wrote my life savings into the stock market, I'd watch it every single day. I, every day, I'd watch it every second of the day. You know why? Because I'd invested in it. And the reason some people don't have a love for Jesus and a desire to work and make an impact for the world is you have nothing invested in the church. And I want to tell you here today that the first place for you to start, we've got to have a church full of people who are using their gifts and their passions and their abilities and their time and their talent and their treasures. You say, that church is so big, you don't need my help. No, that's an oxymoron. The church is so big, we need everybody's help to get the job done that Jesus has called us to do. Because again, we're not measuring who here, we're measuring who's not here. We've not even reached 1% of our ministry area, Peavine City, a 20 mile radius of where we are. Yes, we need you to work. Yes, we need you to find your giftedness. Yes, we need you to find your passion. Yes, we need you to fall in love with Jesus. Yes, we need your time. Yes, we need your talent. Yes, we need your tithe. Why? A world is dying and going to hell around us. And your work will make an impact. Number two, he said, not only will your work make an impact, but number two, he said, your walk will impact the world. Paul tells them that the lifestyle they live will impact the world. And in just a few verses, Paul gave them 
the, the formula that will transform your life, the formula that will bring success in your life. Here it is. Number one, get this. He said they heard the word. What is that? He is specifically talking about the preaching of the word of God. Paul said they heard the word. Now, what does he mean by that? He means that you, if you're going to transform your life and be a success for Christ, you've got to hear the word of God every Sunday, hear the word of God. And you say, well, preacher, I'm not, a, listen, I'm not against vacations. I love vacation. I love vacation myself, but I'm against just staying home and calling it a vacation. When you need the word of God, can I tell you, you never know what sermon you're going to need to hear, what words you're going to hear, what, what verse you need to hear. Paul said, not only did you hear the word, but number two, they received the word. Can I tell you that? that? That means you took it in with joy and gladness is what Paul said. A lot of times we hear the sermon, but we don't receive it. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times when you only hear the sermon, you get in the car and you say, well, I don't know about all that. Paul said, you heard the word and you received it. You brought it in your heart. Not only that, you did a third thing. You lived out the word, verses seven and nine. You heard it, you received it, you lived it out. You heard it, you received it, you lived it out. And the church had made an impact on the world because of how it treated the preach word of God, how it heard it, how it received it, and how it lived it out on a daily basis. Now, notice this. Paul didn't tell them that they had turned from idols to God. Paul said you turn to God from idols. Now let me give you a little bit of a history. About 50 miles from Thessalonica was uh, the largest mountain in Greece called Mount Olympus. And on Mount Olympus were, were, was where the 12 temples to the 12 Olympians, gods of the Greek world were. Zeus's temple was there. Athena's Apollo's temple was on Mount Olympus. And so the principal gods. And so that was only about 50 miles. And so when you got to Thessalonica, you could find a temple dedicated to any god in the world. The Grecian gods, the Roman gods, the Egyptian gods, any old gods you wanted to have, you could find them. And so idol worship was really a common thing. You just, you just picked a job. It's like buffet. You just go pick whatever god you want to serve. And there's a temple there for you to serve it. And so the Thessalonians, when Paul planned the gospel, it was a very religious city, but very much idol worship. And Paul said this, Paul said, let me tell you what you did, church. You didn't turn from idols to God, meaning you got fed up with your pagan lifestyle and you started serving God. No, here's what he said. You turned to God from idols. Here's what he mean. Once you found Jesus, you didn't want anything else. You know what happened in Thessalonica? the pagan temple started emptying and they started going to the church and it set the world on fire with the gospel. And here's what Paul was telling them and let me say it to us this morning. It is only a genuine, authentic faith lived out in all of our lives that will make us a church that matters. A genuine, authentic faith, what does that mean? That means you're the same person in your family as you are at church. Half the people in the church, their kids don't recognize them once you pull on the property. Your language changes, your attitude changes. That means that you're the same person at work as you are when you're sitting in a Sunday school class or a sermon at church. That's a genuine, authentic faith that we aren't putting on airs to come to church that we live an authentic life. And can I tell you this? When you live an authentic, genuine faith, it'll bring the world to Jesus. I don't know if you saw this this week. 
Natalia Taylor, who supposedly is an Instagram influencer. I have no idea who she is, but I saw this article on Apple News. She she went to Bali, Indonesia this week, and she started posting all these photos about her extravagant vacation in Bali, Indonesia. And she took pictures of videos of her in the airport. She took pictures of her uh, like in front of this expensive mirror. She took pictures of her in like a robe and a towel and a really fancy bathroom. Just put all these pictures on the internet about her Bali vacation. She got all kinds of fans. I'm in Bali too. Love it. 10,000 plus comments about her extravagant vacation to Bali until someone noticed this price tag right here and she revealed she was playing a joke on her Instagram followers and the whole entire photo shoot was done in her local Ikea and she left some Easter eggs in it as 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 they call it with a little that's an Ikea price tag right there Somebody called it out and she took a film crew and a video crew in. She, she wasn't trying to really trick anybody. She was, but as a joke. And about three days later, she released the video they'd made on the same day talking about how uh, they had faked people out. And here's what she said. Sometimes people want to lie about who they are and it's not hard to do. Sometimes people want to lie about who they are. And it's not hard to do. Too many Christians are living those kind of, we're, we're kind of like Ikea Christians. We come to church to get our selfies. We come to church to get our Jesus fix. We come to church to get a little uh, uh, of, the, uh, uh, of the shame off of us, of our sin. And then we go out in the world and what happened on Sunday doesn't affect us on Monday whatsoever. And Paul said, no, no, no. Hear the word, receive the word, live the word. Hear the word, receive the word, live the word. When you have an authentic Christian life, it will impact the world for Jesus. And can I tell you this? Too many times people that you work with say things like, I can't believe they go to church or or they say things like this. I can't believe they let them in the church. You know why? Because our lifestyle on Monday is not genuine or our lifestyle on Sunday is not genuine. Paul said, your work will make us a church that matters. Your walk will make us a church that matters. And number three, your witness will make us a church that matters. When Alexander the Great was conquering the world, he walked into the streets of Macedonia and stopped and wept because he had no more world to conquer. When Paul saw the streets in Macedonia, he stopped and he wept because he knew the gospel could conquer the world for Jesus Christ if they would just become a church that mattered. Paul said this about the Thessalonian church, that they rang out the gospel, rang out. Now, let me give you a little bit of a Greek lesson here. Not much, but follow me. The word rang out in the Greek is two words combined. The word E-X-X, which means out, and the word echeo, E-C-H-E-O, which is where we get our transliterated word echo from. Out, echo. And it literally means to ring out. It was used of thunder that would roll through the valleys over and over and over again, ring out. It was used of a trumpet player that would play a trumpet that would ring and reverberate off the walls. And here's what Paul said, that from you, the gospel rang out. Paul viewed the Thessalonian church as a church that would be a a relay station for the gospel. That if it took hold here, they could spread it far east, they could spread it far west and the church would be like a a worldwide 
bullhorn and be able to echo the gospel around the world. Paul said it'd be tragic for us to hold on to the gospel when the whole world could hear if there was one church in Thessalonica that wanted to matter. And church, can I tell you for Pevine, it'd be a shame for us to hold on to the gospel of Jesus Christ when we have the answers to all of the world's problems. The answer is always Jesus. How many of you have went, um, how many of you are in full prep mode for coronavirus? Let me see your hand. You bought stuff already? Nobody, nobody's admitting to buying stuff today. How many of you were Y2Kers? Let me see your hand. Like you, you bought stuff for it. See, nobody will admit it. I, I, prad, I proudly had dried goods to last for 10 years after Y2K. We had enough spaghetti to sink a battleship for Y2K. They, they tell us all week to, to prep. And I, I pulled the stats yesterday on the coronavirus. They were, as of yesterday, 86,022 cases worldwide. And here's the good news. I, I read all this this week that uh, outside of that one province in China, the death rate on um, the coronavirus is about the same as the flu. They think when it all shakes down, it'll be about the same as the flu. Some people have coronavirus and never have a symptom, don't even know they have it. That's why it's a little bit hard to contain right now. But we're not talking about the zombie apocalypse here. We're talking about uh, the flu that's going around the world. There have been 2,942 deaths, which is very unfortunate, but there are 39,801 people who've recovered from it already and think the number's even higher. Some people didn't even know they have it. Here, here, why are you talking about that? Well, here's what I want to tell you. How terrible would it be with all this in the news for a doctor or a scientist or a nation to have the cure and not be sharing it with people? We, we would think that that person was the worst person in the world. Hold on to the cure and just didn't want to tell anybody. But yet, as mad as we'd get at them, you go through life with the cure for eternity, the cure for sin. How many people are we telling? He said, what difference can I make? Well, Paul said this about the Roman church. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because the news of your faith is being reported. Listen, look at the words. In the whole world, one church was sharing the gospel with the whole world. And I want to tell you, Pevine, we'll only be a church that matters in, the relation, in relation, direct proportion to how passionate we are about spreading the gospel. Let me ask you this question. How much do you talk about Jesus? Let me, let me break it down even simpler. When's the last time you invited somebody to church? When's the last time you hand out an invite card? When's the last time you sent a text? When's the time you sent a Facebook message? When's the last time you sent an email? When's the last time you made a phone call? You said, well, I invited them once they didn't come. Hey, that's not gonna do it. If their soul, eternal soul is at stake, one time is not enough. It's our witness that'll impact the world. Close your Bibles and I'm, I'm finished. New Yorker Magazine recently did an article on a religion that has spiked in recent years. And uh, it's the religion and popularity of astrology. 2017, Pew Research said that 30% of Americans believe in astrology. And that doesn't even count the ones who would not admit it, but check their sign, consult their horoscope, or read about their sign of their, of their partner. 
The New York Times did a piece entitled How Astrology Took Over the Internet. And they said, listen to this, with the decline of organized religion, people come to church, astrology belief has skyrocketed. The first paper that carried astrology didn't do it until August 1930, less than 100 years ago. They did it right after the stock market crashed. And then we saw another surge in 2008 where astrologist Rebecca Gordon said she had Wall Street bankers asking for her to tell their future. And they were searching for answers. The New York Times said that people in America spend $2.2 billion every year on mystical services like reading your palms, reading cards. The astrology app CoStar has got a $6 million worth of investors and has been downloaded over 6 million times. Astrology, astrology. Why are you telling us that preacher? Because people are looking for answers in life. People are confused by life. And if we're not a church that matters, that sounds out the gospel, that lives out the gospel, that works for the gospel, if we're not a church that matters, they'll turn to astrology, cults, heresy, or gods with the little g. And Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, it can't be so, it can't. You have to be a sounding board of the gospel. You have to be a church that matters. Your work, your walk, your witness. Do you know, starting next week, we're gonna start talking about Easter here next week. We're gonna start giving you tools to invite people to Easter. Last year, we had over 3,200 people here on Easter. And listen, we couldn't get, we couldn't have got 3,300 last year. So we're, we're making changes this year. We're adding a Saturday night service that'll be just like Sunday morning service. Hey, not because I don't get to preach enough on Sunday mornings. I, I'm preaching three times already and dragging myself home after that. I'm not in good enough shape to even preach three times and we're adding a fourth. Too much ice cream and Cheetos in my life for all this, but you know, you know why we're adding a fourth? Not because I wanna preach on Saturday night, no. But because I don't want you to back up from inviting people to be at church. I don't want you to remember the madness it was last year and think, well, I don't need to invite people. I don't want you to go. We had last Easter, we watched people pull on the parking lot, couldn't find a parking space and drove off. We happened over and over. People were parked in ditches last year and in neighbor's yards, we didn't have permission to park in last year. We're not adding a church service to make us feel good. We're adding a church service because I need you to go out into the highways and the hedges and to tell people and invite them to church. Why? Because on Easter Sunday morning, I'm gonna preach a simple gospel message. And every Easter, we have dozens and dozens of people come to faith in Christ every Easter. And I don't want you to back up. I don't want you thinking, well, we were full last year. No, we're gonna empty it out this year. We're gonna ask four or 500 of you to come on a Saturday night. You'll have all day Sunday off at grandma's house. The choir's gonna sing on the Saturday night. I think I may be the first person telling them that, but the choir's gonna sing on Saturday night. <laughs> now, we're doing everything on Saturday night. We're gonna do the next Sunday morning, this whole deal. Some of you say, well, that's not right. Well, I, I, I disagree. 
Sunday starts after six o'clock in the Jewish culture. So it's really a Sunday morning service. It's just what we call Saturday night. We're the ones confused, not the Jews. They're, they're, they got it. We're the, we're the confused ones. So we're going we're gonna to do it. We're going to do it. Why? Because we need you to go out in the highways and the hedges and invite everybody you know to come in so they can hear the gospel of Jesus and be saved. And be saved. That's how we'll be a church that matters. Would you stand with me, heads bowed and eyes closed? Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Our pastors are coming up front and it could be that you're here today and you wanna join our church, you wanna move your membership or maybe you even need to be baptized or maybe you need to become a Christian. If you're at Rossville, just walk down to the front. There'll be a pastor there to greet you. Here at Rock Spring, just walk down to the front. We have pastors here to greet you. We have pastors here to greet you. If you want to join our church, be baptized or become a Christian. Really the three first steps in following Christ. There are pastors at the front here in Rossville. Just go tell them that and they'll, they'll walk you through that process. But our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Could be that you're in the building and, and you just... You, you, you really have said things like, well, I'm gonna let other people serve or I'm just gonna come to P-Vine and I'm gonna chill for a little while. No, no, no. God didn't send you here to chill. God sent you here so you could be zealous in your efforts for the kingdom of God. There's some of you, your walk is not as genuine as, as it ought to be. There's some of you need to come to the altar and find a place to kneel and say, God, I'm a different person with my family than I am at church. I'm a different person on Mondays than I am at church and I, I gotta change all that. I wanna live a genuine, authentic life. And there's some of you here today, hey, listen, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. There's some of you here today, you are passionately concerned about a family member, friend, or coworker who's lost or far from God or out of church. You've been praying for them and I wanna invite you to come down this morning and you start praying for them again and you pray to God, God, the next invitation I give, let it take. God, when I invite them to Easter, let it take. God, when I invite them to church, let it take. God, let them come and save them and get their heart rights again. You need to pray that prayer today. Oh, don't give up, don't give up. However God spoke to your heart. Father, draw us with your spirit as you've spoken to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information about Peavine or to get in touch with us, please visit our website, peavine.org. Thanks for listening.